Hi, welcome to Donna's Intermittent Fasting Journal, broadcast number 41. I'm especially excited to bring this to you today. I know I'm excited every time, um, but I'm especially excited today because I'm excited to give you some answers. Last week, I posed a lot of issues that come to us when we do not have enough sleep. And that was episode number 40, and it was very extensive as to the um, benefits of sleep, as to the repercussions of not sleeping enough, um, everything from raised cortisol levels to increase in stress to um, increase in uh, metabolism to inability to lose weight as easily to the body holding on to fat more. Um, just many, many uh, issues with uh, lack of sleep and also some of the many benefits of sleeping more. And of course, I had to include my tagline of, um, we get this for doing nothing. You know how excited. I feel like every time I talk, I'm one of those bargain hunters. You know, that you guys must think I'm just like, always wanting something for free. Um, I'm not really like that. As a matter of fact, I don't, I'm not a big shopper. I don't coupon and do all that kind of stuff. I just buy real food, buy what we need, go out to eat and party, okay? <laughs> Um, but I do love all of the things that we get from doing nothing. So that is something that excites me about intermittent fasting. It also excites me about sleep because who doesn't love sleep, right? So if you listened to last week and you said, well, that's great. I know that we need to fix my sleep. I need to sleep more. I do not sleep seven to nine hours. I can see the issues there with that but I can't do anything about it. I've tried and tried and tried, and I absolutely cannot do anything about it. So if that's you, I want you to stay on here today and hear about some things that maybe will help you, some very simple things, and then maybe some more elaborate things if that's what you need. I will say, um, I do my Plexus commercial at the end, so you guys can you know tag off or whatever if you want, or you can stay on and listen, but I will say that I solved a 20-year insomnia problem and a 10-year restless leg problem with healthy supplementation. Um, prior to supplementing, I was up at least until 2 in the morning all the time. And um, so that helped solve my insomnia problems. And then the more I've learned through my intermittent fasting studies and my health nutrition studies, the more I have come to understand some other things uh, like sleeping at the same, uh, within the same hour each night, falling asleep within the same hour, uh, some other things that I'm going to be teaching you in today's broadcast, and then I've been able to even get better on my sleep, and better and better, longer, as well as deeper, as well as more predictable, and more scheduled, and all of those things come together uh, to really help us with sleep, and all of the benefits that we can get from sleep. So I won't spend a lot of time on our story. There aren't a lot of changes. We're still working our way through, uh, breaking through our plateaus. Um, so I will say, you know, that when we have had in the past or um, overall just as many things as we've had, because this is what, the end of January, and we really started the end of October nonstop party mode. I mean, yeah, seriously, I told you we have 13 kids and kids in love. And now, as of last week, four grandbabies, nonstop party mode. They all live within 30 minutes of us. The end of October, we started with a wedding. And then two weeks later, a Disney trip. A week later, Thanksgiving. Three weeks later, Christmas. And, and then a new grandbaby. So it feels like 
and then of course lots of birthdays we're like from november to march we're like birthday crazy around here and uh normally that would have been something that i would have just said well i can't lose weight now i may as well just wait or i'm only going to do this two days a week or, i'm only going to try you know low whatever three days a week or whatever it might be and that's one of the things that truly excites me about intermittent fasting, one of the many, right, is that we don't have to say, well, I can't stay on now because of this, or I have to go off because of that. We don't have to have that diet mentality. We can have a lifestyle mentality. A lifestyle mentality says, I might not lose weight during this time. I might not lose a lot of pounds but I'm still sticking with my protocol. It's a way of life for me. I'm still losing inches, still exercising every day. I'm still getting down into smaller sizes. I'm still looking younger every day. You know, these, these can still be us. We don't, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And it doesn't have to be, and this is a big one. I'm not going, I have this on Thursday, this on Friday, this on Saturday, I may as well forget. And then just binge. Right, we we never have to resort to that again. Intermittent fasting can bring such a balance to our lives that we never have to be that way again. And I love that because I now that I understand so many things about macronutrients and what's going on in our bodies when we eat, I now understand those cheat days. They they can truly mathematically, if you just look at it from a mathematical standpoint, they can just take away any progress that we've made. So um, I'm thankful that that's not how it is with intermittent fasting. Yes, we have a lot of parties. Yes, I'm not losing weight real fast. Um, or no, I'm not losing weight real fast. But it's not, an, it's not an off and on. It's not an all or nothing. It's not a cheat all the time, you know, kind of thing, because this is a new way of life. So I, I want that for you. I just want you to be able to make it a way of life, because if it's a way of life, eventually you get to your goal. I mean, every single month, more good things happen as a result of our intermittent fasting. And even if it's a month with no weight loss, still more good things happen. I still am trying on a, a new blouse and moving it from my can't fit closet to my fit closet. I'm still fastening pants now instead of lying on the bed, standing up with that pair. I'm still having health benefits all the time. So it's not an all or nothing. It's not a stop and start. It's not a diet by itself. It's a way of life. So I do with that, I do want to talk about something called calorie cycling just briefly. And the reason I want to talk about this is I've done some broadcasts and I'm going to have it in the notes. I did a quick, uh, a fast shot and I also did a broadcast uh, about it. And the reason I bring this up is because a lot of times people want to know what are people doing at the end? You know, I, I can see that I am the, the ways we lose inches or weight, inches and weight. Remember, there are four primary ways. We skim calories off. We go into fat burning during the fast. We lose inches through our um, lowering of cortisol, raising of human growth hormone, uh, the, um, our bodies attacking fat. Um, instead of muscle and leaving our muscle intact. And um, so we lose weight in those ways. We lose weight and we lose inches in those ways. And of course, we have more control through appetite correction and fat adaption. Um, but when it gets, to, and people can see how that could happen at first, where you're not even having to make that drastic 
of a calorie cut, but then they want to know, well, what happens at the end? And just from my observation, I think that uh, a lot of people are doing unofficial, non-counting calorie cycling. And I know that that's what Ray and I do without even, without even figuring anything or thinking about it. And what I mean by that is we have our protocol that we follow all week long while we're at home or anytime we're at home. We have certain foods that we eat every day, certain certain vegetables and so forth. I mentioned to you that I'm studying hungry brain and, and the impact the brain has on our food choices and um, just really like not eating, never overeating and not eating nearly as much when we are at home doing the regular things. And then when we have a special occasion, we eat more calories and we're not counting, but let's face it, we didn't eat cake before all week and now we are eating cake, right? So that is gonna, that's more calorie dense, so we're gonna eat more. And you hear people all the time with intermittent fasting, they'll say things like, when I got down closer to my goal weight, I had to, and they list any number of things that they had to do. And they'll say things like, I had to cut out more carbohydrates, or I had to cut out processed foods, or I had to, you know, limit my treats or whatever. And what they're really saying is they reduced their intake, right? And so it's just interesting to me that without even really putting a name on it, and, and some people in the intermittent fasting circles don't want to even use the words calories, so they would never call it calorie counting or calorie cycling or making a, too much of a calorie deficit, but that's what we are doing. And that's where Ray and I are right now. We're at this point where, you know, I have 17 pounds to go, you know, he has 24, 23, what is it going to take for us to get there? And it's going to take some shifts, right? It's going to, we're getting closer to our goal. And no, we haven't wrecked our metabolism. We just need less food the, the lighter we are, the less we weigh, right? And that's one reason why we're all jealous of tall people. Have you ever been jealous of tall people? I've always been jealous of tall people. Because at 5'8", rather than my 5'6", they can eat more food each day and still wear the same size as I do or whatever. That's kind of a, so anyway, that is an interesting thing about, um, about calorie cycling. We're all doing that in some way when we are all making food changes, right? And I do recommend that as you get closer and closer to your goal, if you're, if it's your weight is not coming off, you know, you can do a number of things, right? You can increase your fasting time to make that fat burning more, uh, to make it longer, to make it more effective, maybe. You can increase your eating window. What happens when you increase your eat, decrease your eating window? You eat less. You can make some, uh, some purposeful restrictions like we have done where, you know, we have our fruits, vegetables, meats, um, sprouted bread, you know, our typical foods that we eat uh, that are not super, super calorie dense that we eat at home. And then we eat differently when we party. And you can do whatever it takes to help get you there and realizing that it needs to be something that you can sustain. And that's one reason why I like the approach that we are taking with just whole foods, more healthy foods, less processed food at home because I'm not messing with our parties. Nobody wants to mess with my parties. Okay, I'm not messing with my parties. I'm not messing with my family time. I'm not messing with my kids, my grandkids' birthday parties.
I don't have to, right? Because the wiggle room that I have within minute fasting. So that's just a little bit of what we're doing uh, to help you there. But I want to move into sleeping. First of all, when we think about sleeping or we think about not sleeping, and this one is about improving sleep and intermittent fasting. So remember last week was about all the things you need to know that, that the reasons you want to, you want to improve your sleep. So this week is about um, how to do, how to improve your sleep. So uh, insomnia in general is anything that in, interferes in your circadian rhythms. Now, I always heard these terms. I heard a lot of terms, you know, a lot through the years, and I have never really taken the time to figure out what all they mean and on all that. But um, the circadian rhythms control our wake and sleep cycles, plus other functions throughout the body and brain. I guess prior to studying this, I always thought circadian rhythms were only, they were only sleep related. But they actually control a lot of things. And that's why they have a control, some control over our food and over our eating and over our uh, weight management, actually. So that was very interesting. Uh, so there is a master clock. That kind of is the um, one uh, place described it as an orchestra leader of all of the 37 trillion cells that are related to the circadian rhythm. Uh, so it's actually quite a um, quite a uh, quite a setup there. <laughs> you know, it's just so cool the things that our bodies can do, right? And how amazing they can they they are to do the things for us that they do. It's really really cool. So. Um, Something happened to my notes. Let me see. My printer uh, needed a paper load. So I'm going to read off of the side here for a couple of points until I get to point um, two. So insomnia. In general, okay, it's anything that interferes in that. Now, insomnia and fasting. This is especially important for people who are just starting out with intermittent fasting because um, I had a lot of trouble sleeping when I first started fasting, and I was like, I just solved a 20-year insomnia problem three years ago, or actually when I started fasting, I'd only been supplementing for two years. So I was like, I just solved a 20-year insomnia problem two years ago, and now I'm back where I was. So it will not last. You need to know that, first of all. So after a couple of days of fasting, you should feel better with fasting. You should sleep better with fasting. It should Actually, fasting should have the other effect. It should not cause insomnia. It should help you to sleep better. Um, but when you start burning fat, instead of sugar at first, you release a hormone that stimulates wakefulness. So that keeps you awake. That hormone keeps you awake. But this insomnia with fasting will go away as your circadian rhythms, those 37 trillion cells that are being led by one master clock watcher, <laughs> um, that they will... Um, uh, your circadian rhythms will catch up to the new eating times. Your hunger goes away. For the most part, your body goes into seamlessly burning fat. And, um, and then it'll be, you'll be adapted to your sleep and you'll be able to sleep well. All right. This is, uh, you probably heard me say before, you know, that when you're a sugar burner and you're trying to become a fat burner, that's that period of time when you feel terrible, right? Because you've used up all the sugar, you've used up all of the, um, circulating glucose and all the stored glycogen and your body isn't quite used to just going right on over into the fat and burning it. So you're like 
That's when you have the hangries. That's when you have the keto flu. That's when you feel so badly because you are not just seamlessly going right. You know, circulating glucose, glycogen, stored glycogen, fat. We're not just going to do, do, do it every day like we do after we've been fasting for a long time. So at first it can be really, really hard. Um, so it's, it's sort of like that with your sleep also. Um, and it also can feel just like you feel when you are trying to adapt to a new, um, to jet lag, like when you are in a new time zone and you've been flying. So it's similar to that, uh, but it will even out quickly. Now, food affects the circadian rhythm. I said there are 37 trillion cells involved and that the circadian rhythms do not just affect sleep. They affect other things, too. And some of those are food-related things. And so they affect your circadian rhythms, affect your food, too. So, like, the sun keeps track of your sleep time, your first bite of food and your last bite of food, set your new food circadian rhythm, so to speak. So while you are having this, these new periods of time when you're going to be eating, you're starting to eat at a different time than you used to, you're ending eating than at a different time than you used to. So just like you have to get used to that jet lag and your body has to say, oh, the sun's up, the sun's down, this is, you know, it's time to wake up, it's time to go to bed, so forth, the same thing will happen with your food, but that might take a little bit of time. All right, so fasting actually, believe it or not, if you've tried it and you haven't gotten past the first week for some reason, fasting usually causes more happiness, better mood, and great sleep once you're into it for several days. This causes a more pronounced circadian rhythm doing, due to the food intake being restricted to certain times of the day. So actually, you're, you're going to just build this new circadian rhythm that's based on this five-hour eating window, the six-hour eating window, however long your eating window is. Um, and when your eating is done well before bed, like I like to stop eating at five or six, personally. I mean, a lot of people have evening windows. A lot of people eat from five to ten, and they do at night, and they do just fine with that. They do great with it because you have to do whatever works really well for your body. But for me personally, I like to end it at least by 6 o'clock, and this makes it hard on our party nights, right? I like to end it by uh, 6 o'clock because then my digestion and food processing is over at bedtime. I don't know. I just sleep better without. Um, there's a fine line where I sleep the best. It is when I'm not hungry, so it hasn't been too long since I ate, but I'm not also feeling like I have just this chunk of food, you know, sitting in my stomach, especially if I had a big meal. Um, and melatonin is released better when insulin isn't released. So no food at night causes melatonin to be even stronger. So um, if you have been fasting for a while and you find that you have trouble falling asleep, even though it's been a while and you have to use melatonin regularly, I'm going to talk about melatonin here in just a little bit, but you find that you have to use that consist all the time, then you might want to move your eating window back a little bit so that you're done earlier uh, because insulin and melatonin are kind of the opposite of each other. Uh, they're like counter. They're not the opposite of each other like insulin and um, uh Glucagon, they're the opposite of each other, but they're released opposite of each other. So uh, melatonin is released better when insulin is not released. So if, if you don't have food for a while before you go to bed, your insulin will start going down and your melatonin will start going up. And I'm going to talk a lot about melatonin, but it's the sleep hormone. Um, 
Low insulin is linked to higher melatonin and better sleep. And that is why across the board, intermittent fasters should really be the best sleepers of all, um, as, as well as people who are on keto diets, like 20 carbs or less and 80% fat. Um, and that is because the insulin levels in both instances, because we're, we're going to ketosis each day with fasting, so our insulin levels are low, so our melatonin levels will be higher. So we should actually sleep better than someone who isn't fasting. All right, caffeine can be a problem uh, related to insomnia. So, um, you know, insomnia and fasting can be at the beginning, but it should be better later. And caffeine can be a problem uh, linked to insomnia. So insomnia, uh, caffeine, there's a, there are, caffeine is really, it really is a problem because it does so many good things, but it can also do bad things. And so then you have to determine how much help is the good for me personally, or how much detriment is the bad for me personally. So, you know, when you go through this and you hear this, don't think, oh, man, I should stop drinking caffeine. It's terrible for me. Or don't go through here and think, oh, man, caffeine you know, helps me burn calories. It boosts my metabolism. Um, so I need to drink more of it. Okay. It's, I find, I, for me personally, I think the benefits outweigh the negatives for caffeine. But I also never take anything with caffeine after 10 in the morning. So, you know, I'm careful about when I take it so that I can get the benefits without as many of the detriments to myself. I know personally caffeine after noon will keep me up badly. So anyway, let me just talk about caffeine. Caffeine does raise cortisol levels and cortisol levels can keep us up. Okay. High cortisol, high stress. Cortisol is a stress hormone. And so cortisol, when cortisol levels are high, we have more stress. When we have more stress, cortisol levels are high. When we have insomnia, Cortisol levels are high, and, and high cortisol levels can really wreak havoc on the body. They can do a lot of damage to weight loss. Um, you know, you probably heard if you've listened to other people talk about our ancestors and things, if you've done very many paleo things or paleo, you probably heard people talk about cortisol as being like, we need cortisol when we're being chased by um, um, tiger, okay, or a bear or whatever at, back in um, – the days of our ancestors, hunter-gatherers, and things like that. But we don't want cortisol just all the time. And the 21st century stresses that we have result in high cortisol all the time, not just when we need it. So um, because of that, that can be a problem because caffeine can raise cortisol levels. And 80% of people in the United States drink coffee. That was very surprising to me. I knew that I, you know, that everybody I know drinks coffee except me and some of my family members, but I didn't know that 80%, I didn't know there were only 20% of us who do not. So um, anyway, I don't drink any hot drinks. I just don't like hot drinks. I don't even drink, I don't even drink hot cocoa or hot broth or anything. Um, and I, no tea, no coffee or anything, but it's not because I think it's terrible or anything. It's just, I've never liked it. I've never enjoyed it. Um, so caffeine does have an effect on sleep. So one of the things that people do not realize about caffeine that I didn't know until uh, the last couple of years, and that is that it has a half-life. So at the four to six-hour mark after drinking caffeine, when you think the caffeine is out of your system, you still have half of it. 
in your system. So in that regard, you could see how people who think that they're okay drinking coffee at four and it'll be out of my system at 10, six hours later, they still have half of it in their system at 10 p.m. oftentimes. So obviously that's, you know, variable for, vary for each person, but it is important to note that you can't just say four, five, six hours from now, I'm going to be rid of the caffeine. Okay. Um, some people seem to be unaffected. Others uh, are affected. 200 to 400 milligram per day maximum of caffeine. So um, this is important for those of us like, well, like me, for instance, I take uh, supplements that have caffeine in them. One of the ones I'm going to be talking about today that lowers helps lower cortisol. I take um, supplements with caffeine. So if I take two of those, and that equals two cups of coffee, I don't want to also drink four cups of coffee. I've had that would take me up to 600 milligrams. A uh, medium coffee is about 90 to 95 uh, uh, milligrams per cup of coffee. And then you think about people who are getting those really large, you know, lattes and things like that, or the ones where you just do shots. I can't remember what those are called, but they have like a lot of coffee or caffeine in them. I have not. I get a load of this. I've never bought anything at Starbucks except cupcakes at Disney World. So, um, yeah, so I'm not very up on my coffee at all. But I do know that we don't, that we want 200 to 400 milligrams per day maximum. And that would be the equivalent of four small to medium cups of coffee, not like Hukamanga thingies. All right. And um, so, and that's the same with most teas as well. All right. So the things that can cause us to have insomnia so far, uh, getting our circadian rhythm off, uh, circadian rhythms off, um, and that can happen through sleep disruption and things like that, traveling, jet lag, so forth. Um, fasting at first until our body adapts to it. It doesn't take as long to become circadian rhythm adapted uh, with our sleep as becoming fat adapted. It can usually be just a few days. And um, unless you're trying to go to sleep hungry, and then that could actually carry on. So that's why you got to find your sweet spot there. A uh, caffeine. The next thing is blue light. And um, that is, of course, what we're getting from our screens. So whether it's a device or a phone or a television, computer, um, and blue light actually controls melatonin secretion. And uh, artificial blue lights, which are from light bulbs, computers, devices, um, even, just, even just sitting in light, like I have fluorescence in my dining room where I work. I love a lot of light. Well, those are really, really letting off the blue light. Um, so these will all suppress melatonin levels at night when they should be increasing. Uh, according to that book that I was telling you about, Hungry Brain, highly recommend it. Your body's 37 trillion cells don't get the message that it's nighttime until you turn out the lights several hours after the sun goes down. This pushes your biological wake-sleep cycle back a few hours relative to the day-night cycle of the sun, desynchronizing the two. So D means not. So are un, or so it's desynchronizing. It is unsynchronizing. So they're no longer in sync when we um, do not give the, these cells the message that it's nighttime. This is so interesting because uh, when we first moved away from home, we lived in Bern, Indiana, and that's Amish country. If you're from Indiana or you've ever heard of it, it's um, Amish. Amishville is there, and there, you know, it's just 
really Amish everywhere. And we had Amish, Amish neighbors because we lived out in the country. And in the winter, you know, in Indiana, sometimes it's like 445, 5 o'clock and, you know, in December especially, and it's getting dark and, you know, they're lighting their, they're lighting lanterns, you know, kerosene lanterns and things, but it's just so dark. I mean, you would literally be going to bed. And then they must have a terrible time in the summer. I remember thinking in the summer when it's daylight so long, you know, then, you know, which is why you can't get kids to go to sleep in the summer because it's daylight so long. And so their body does not get the melatonin does not get the signal that it's time to be released because it's light. Right. So we are very, very dependent upon the sun. So uh, your body doesn't get the message that it's nighttime until you turn out the lights. And for many of us, this means we turn out the lights at 10 o'clock, we go to bed, we turn on a TV, or we are on Pinterest or something on a device in bed rather than reading a book, which is makes sense. Everybody uses devices now. And that blue light is still shining, so the body is still not told that it's time to go to sleep. So... Um, the body isn't ready, and when it's time to get up, guess what? The body isn't ready. So when it's time to go to sleep, it's not ready, and when it's time to go to bed. Uh, this is an interesting study about cortisol. Because cortisol um, is associated with stress, and our high cortisol levels mean high stress. High cortisol also means usually more belly fat, the inability to relax, uh, lots of anxiety and things, and oftentimes adrenal problems. You hear about adrenal fatigue and things like that that's related to your cortisol levels and your cortisol being too high. Well, this study showed that cortisol is 40% higher in mornings after being exposed to blue light 30 minutes before sleep, even if you slept okay. Now, um, I meant to actually bring my goggles over here. My husband and I had these goggles uh, they're blue light goggles, and I'll put a link to them. Let me make a note in the margin. Um, and I think they were like 10 or 15 bucks. And um, I, I was using them, and then I was like, well, we don't, I, don't, I can go to sleep without them. It doesn't seem to make a difference whether I use them or I don't use them when I'm watching something at night because that's when I turn out the lights and stop working and I go to bed. And um, just with our size family and everything, I always have stuff going on, so I a lot of times work in the evenings if I don't have anything with kids or anything. And so um, I was like, I don't need them because they're not affecting my sleep any. And then I read the study and it's like, it doesn't matter. Even if you feel like you're sleeping okay, your cortisol levels can still be much higher the next morning. So you can also get, um, it's called L-U-X-E. I need to put this in the notes too. I think I have it later. L-U-X-E.com. And you can put that on your devices to block the blue light. And it can turn on, you know, at night or you can, I think you set it to a certain time that you want it to turn on. So there are ways to get around the blue light blocking. And I think that's important to note because um, many, many people are insomnia, insomniacs now due to blue light. And if it's something that we can control, we can curb, you know, we may as well do it. And many, many defeated people are defeated. And I say this because I know this from personal experience that my whole life I wanted to get up earlier. And, you know, I homeschooled seven kids for 32 years, so they were independent. They could get up, get started on their things. They had their chore list. They had their chore charts. They had their school list. So if I had a rough night, my husband could get them up in the morning and get them started when they were younger. When they were older, they could get themselves up and get themselves started, and I could still get my seven-hour sleep or whatever 
but I remember feeling very, very defeated. And I talk about this a lot in here as well as in the course, but um, my blog, DonnaRish.com, to me is way more than just creating. You know I love to create. It's way more than just creating to me. It's way more than just, uh, you know, creating products and, and writing and, and doing the things that I love. It's also just that I think about all those years that I was addicted to food and that I couldn't have control over it and how defeated I felt and how what if I can do these things like this video right here and I can help people so they don't have to go through that. And now I think the same thing about the insomnia. I remember being very, very defeated about my inability to get up early, to go exercise in the mornings, um, to uh, get things started with the kids the way I wanted to. You know, you always have this ideal thing. You know, my husband would get them going and then I would join the kids later. And, um, you know, it just wasn't how I wanted it, you know, and I felt defeated by that. So if we can do anything like the blue light blocking glasses, like the melatonin I'm about to talk about, like the cutting of reducing of the caffeine, like, you know, adjusting our fasting so that we get that sweet spot where we sleep the very best. You know, anything that I'm, anything that I'm going to teach you about sleep. If we could have that and have our lives changed, I mean, it's just so cool to have your life changed. You know what I mean? It's so great to be like, well, I used to be like this, but now I am like this. And especially if it's an improvement that you have wanted in your life for a long time. So I'm going to get off of my soapbox about how much I want good things for you. I'm going to go back to my notes. All right. Magnesium deficiency is another insomnia issue. And that was probably mine because I know as soon as I started on um, Plexus Triplex with the magnesium and then the chromium from the slim, my sleep problems were solved. Um, so, you know, if you, and I'm going to talk about some of the different things you can take magnesium, you can get melatonin, I'm going to talk about those. Um, you can get a lot of these things on Amazon uh, and of course at Walmart or, you know, CVS, whatever uh, to help you with this. But magnesium deficiencies, leg and foot cramps, Muscle cramps, headaches, insomnia, anxiety, depression, or the blues are signs of magnesium deficiency. So the important thing about this is that there are like, I don't know, there are these graphics floating around that say like 50. I turned my phone off, but I didn't turn the iPad off. So there are like 50 different uh, symptoms for magnesium deficiency and there are different graphics floating around 85% of people are deficient in magnesium 92% are deficient in magnesium and I would say that if you have any of these things magnesium is, is an easy fix right so that's a good place to start it's it's good to start with something easy something inexpensive something that might help so um, it really could be your one of your issues with your sleep really could be magnesium um, magnesium deficiency can also happen during fasting due to mineral imbalances, eating less food, and so forth. So um, that's important to know because some people, you know, will have these magnesium deficiencies come onto them and they will, um, it'll, they'll start after they begin fasting. So that's, a, that's something to look into too. Now, magnesium blocks the release of cortisol in the brain. 
We want to lower those cortisol levels and magnesium is one way that we can do it. It blocks the release of cortisol in the brain and I didn't know that until recently, um, which is another reason why they always say that magnesium will calm you. Magnesium will help take away anxiety. It can just help you like just level out if you're real hyper and, and I used to, oh man, I have epic stories about me flying. You should hear some of my flight stories. I was, I was freaked out all the time by flying until I started healthy supplementation. So I say, get that magnesium, uh, block that cortisol release and get rid of those leg cramps and get rid of that, those electrolyte imbalances by one of the minerals that you can take for that is magnesium. It supports the release of melatonin. So, you know, cortisol is down, melatonin's up, you know, the, you, stress is down, your sleep hormones are released, and then you sleep better. Get more magnesium. Here are some ways to do it. You can supplement with a magnesium supplement. Again, you can get it at Walmart. You can contact me and I can hook you up with mine. Uh, you can do it on Amazon, you know, whatever. You can drink mineral water. Mineral water usually has magnesium, potassium, sodium. Um, I think it's sodium. We can also, of course, take sodium uh, through pink Himalayan salt. Um, but when I uh, was fasting, I was not really needing the mineral water so much. I needed a lot of water when I first started fasting to help me feel full, to get, take, get rid of the hangries, right? I've already taught about that a lot. But it wasn't until I started exercising in the mornings, uh, doing strength training and HIT, that I realized that I was just sick with hunger. Again, after I'd already been fasting for so long, it'd been like six months, right? Six or seven or eight months. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm starting over again. So um, with that, the mineral water really helped. Okay. Another recommendation sometimes is to use Epsom salt baths. And Epsom salt uh, in the bathtub, it does give off magnesium. But I've also heard that it's not so easily assimilated into the skin. We think, well, it's getting us all over. It's hitting our whole body or all of our skin. But the skin has so many layers that I've heard that that's not a good way to rely on your magnesium. I mean, it might help some and definitely Epsom salt baths before bed, just that calming effect. But to really turn around a magnesium deficiency, probably don't want to rely on Epsom salt baths for that reason. So uh, you're going to want to do some supplementation or mineral water or whatever. All right. Another reason for insomnia is hunger. And um, so this is especially early on, as I mentioned before. And so you want to find that sweet spot. All right. So that you can uh, train your body to fall asleep better. Because if you're hungry, it's really hard to sleep. I can remember when I was first fasting, I was so hungry at night and I would want to get up and eat. So um, also with hunger, uh, something that I'm gonna be talking about a lot in the future is the idea of satiety versus satisfaction. So uh, satiety or satiation means that you are um, satiated in that you're not hungry. Okay, you are, you're full or you're at least, you don't have any hunger. Um, whereas satisfaction is more um, enjoyment of food. And so some people have where they're not, uh, they're not satiated. And with that, with the, without being satiated, I wish I turned off my iPad, I'm sorry. It's all the way across the room. So um, 
with the satiation issue, they are hungry. And one of the things that solves that is by having more fat um, with your evening meal, something that sticks with you for a long time. So fat is stays in is not processed as quickly as carbohydrates, so that can be something there. The satisfaction part, though, comes in, I didn't eat something I liked. Have you ever thought that? I, I know we, we make jokes about this, you know, that that shouldn't count. That, that should not count as my fasting window. It wasn't, you know, I had to eat at the hospital cafeteria. That shouldn't count, you know. <laughs> and so um, with that, there's also the satisfaction issue. So you want to, you know, look at both of those things, you know, because hunger can keep you awake, but so can just really going to bed and thinking, oh, I didn't really enjoy what I ate today. Um, and, and not everything that we, you know, eat has to be just, you know, so enjoyable, but food should be enjoyed, right? Part of it, we want to try to get to a point where we can enjoy simple foods and regular foods and we can enjoy parties and we don't have to have both of them all the time. We don't have to have everything all the time. Working out. Another thing that can lead to insomnia. Um, working out will help you sleep better in the long run. So you will eventually sleep better because of working out. Uh, because the, your melatonin and your sleep cycle is actually affected by how active you are. So you, you know, your, your exercise, your activity increasing during the day through exercise, whatever types of exercises, through even just more movement, just making a conscientious effort to get more steps in, to stand more. You know, I always try to just, whenever I'm on the phone, run around and do things, uh, cleaning and organizing and stuff like that. Whenever I'm on the phone, I don't like to waste my time just talking on the phone. So whenever I'm on the phone to parents or my kids or whatever, some of my students, I will always just uh, hop up and do something. So your, your brain will respond to how long you've been up and it will also respond to how active you've been. So that's why sleeping in late in the morning is going to cause problems with you going to sleep that night because it is affected by um, uh, how long you've been up and it's also affected by how active you are. So these all cause the sleep cycle to begin. And if you got up at noon, your sleep cycle is not going to start at nine that night right? Same thing can happen if you nap too much during the day where you're going to affect your sleep cycle that night. So exercising too late at night can increase hormones that keep you awake. Um, you know, your, uh, it can also increase like your serotonin where you're all hyper and excited, your adrenaline, those type of things. And exercising, try exercising earlier in the day, at least two hours before bed or earlier so that your body has a chance to calm down and um, and those hormones are lessened. All right, so we have a lot, lot, lot of ways to improve sleep, <laughs> like pages and pages of ways to uh, improve sleep. So many pages that we won't, that I will not be able to get to all of it in one more, in one more half a session. So, um, Next week, I am going to go into all the physical actions that you can do to improve sleep, avoiding night light, lessening blue light, sun exposure, sleep hygiene, foods at night, reducing cortisol, and then uh, also melatonin and when and how to supplement with melatonin and how much. 
and other uh, supplements like omegas, magnesium, things like that, adaptogenics, probiotics, prebiotics, um, mindfulness, mindful activities like yoga and deep breathing and things like that will all help us sleep. So um, because I have like six more pages left, once again, um, we will continue this next week. So um, those are just many of the causes that the reasons that we can have insomnia. Okay, and you can see right now, even before I go over the six pages of how to go, how to counteract any, any and all of those, you can see some things. You can start right away, right? You can start right away blocking blue light. You can start right away uh, getting your magnesium up, especially if you cramp. If you cramp, you're almost assured of having a magnesium deficiency. So if you are having like leg cramps and foot cramps and toe cramps and things like that, in addition to insomnia, you really need to um, increase your magnesium. Working out earlier in the day, not sleeping in too late so that your body has that, the, the time you know, to get sleepy, so to speak. Um, increasing your activity level across the board, whether it's through exercise or just through activity around the house. Uh, any type of increase in activities. And that's a, another good thing that's really good about Fitbits and things is that you can set some goals for steps. So try to increase those steps because even if you think, well, it didn't increase my calories by that much, um, it still has the opportunity to help with your sleep. All right. I think that a lot of times those of us who are steeped in the diet mentality, we have been so accustomed to everything being based on calories. And I don't, I don't think that calories are not real. Okay. I don't think that at all. I think they're the basis. And then all these other things affect it. So many things affect it. Um, but we can get so bogged down in calories from our dieting days that we measure things according to how worth it they are calorie wise. So this could be a food that's that you don't feel is worth it calorie wise. And sometimes that's true. Um, but it can also be an activity where, you know, this doesn't burn that much, so I don't really want it. I don't really care if I do it. It's not just how much you burn. Exercise and movement, we need it drastically. We need it for our sleep. We need it for the more we exercise, the more potential we have to build muscle, which means the, the healthier we're going to be. Muscle is one, of the, is one of the first things, one of the biggest effects on seniors' health is did they have any muscles going into their senior years? Um, so I don't know about you, but I'm a 55-year-old working out girl, <laughs> right? Because I want to build those muscles. And so, you know, don't always just look at something, well, this isn't going to help me burn calories. This isn't going to help me lose weight. Don't always look at it that. Also look at its effect on your health, its effect on your sleep, its effect on your mental well-being. Because if you add some more movement, Guess what? Movement increases serotonin. It gives us more happy hormones, right? It helps us sleep better. That gives us more happy hormones. So everything is so interrelated, and we don't want to just get in the habit of only judging everything by its effect on the scale, right? We want to judge it as our whole health. How is this going to affect our health in, overall? Caffeine, take to heart that half-caffeine life. Four to six hours, it is not out of your system. And no more than 400 milligrams, four cups of coffee, um, or even as low as 200 milligrams. Uh, caffeine, I've talked about it in other episodes. It does do a lot for us in terms of 
uh, that's believed to raise our metabolism some. It is an appetite suppressant, and that's why it's in so many diet products and weight loss proto protocols and products, and it does have a lot of good factors. But you stop and think, if you are taking caffeine later or too much of it, and you're thinking, oh, good, I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning. There it goes. Like, you know, we're going back to what's it doing to the scale. We're not saying, oh, wait a minute, it's affecting my sleep. And if you go back and listen to episode number 40, you'll find out sleep is one of those things that we can do to increase our metabolism with no cost to us, just pure rest and pure sleep. So um, uh, that is it for today because, like I said, I've got so too many things, too much material, and um, – so we will have part two of this uh, next week. Uh, we will talk about all the actions to improve your sleep. Every single thing you can do that I know of to improve your sleep. Um, but take some of these things that cause insomnia that you learned about today and start applying those right away. So I'm going to sign off from this part and I am going to talk about our new product called MetaBurn for Plexus. And, um, one of the reasons why I want to talk about this last week, I talked when I was talking about uh, what's the benefits of sleep and the detriments of not getting enough sleep. Last week I talked about our magnesium supplement, so you can go back and listen to that if you'd like. Uh, this week and next week, I already had divided MetaBurn up in two. I'm going to talk about MetaBurn because it has a lot of things in it that can help us sleep as well and with cortisol levels. So thank you for joining me so far on episode number 41, Improving Sleep and Intermittent Fasting. And I guess this will be part one, What Causes Insomnia? <laughs> so uh, next week, I will get lay it all out for you uh, in more detail as to uh, steps that you can take. So do whatever you can that you learn from this week and um, start getting that good sleep. Listen to episode 40 and realize those huge effects of sleep. I am a sleep guru. I am just, my kids call and they're like, you guys are in bed, aren't you? And we're like, it's nine o'clock and I'm always in the background. My husband's talking to one phone. I'm in the background going, it's my sleep hygiene. It's my sleep hygiene. And they're like, oh, mom, would you stop talking about your sleep hygiene all the time? So <laughs> I really talk about sleep a lot. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for joining me. I will see you in Metaburn or I'll see you in the group. All right. Today's uh, product is Plexus Metaburn. It is our newest product. And, um, Today, I'm only going to be talking about the adaptogens. So uh, the Plexus Metaburn has like tremendous, tremendous uh, ingredients in it. And I know I've talked about this before, that Plexus is a plant-based supplementation company. We have about 20 products. So we are not like this huge catalog full of products. So if you've ever considered a side business, you can join my group and I'll teach you how to become a Plexus ambassador. If you are the kind of person like I am, who's going less is more, less is more. I want to do less. I don't want to do more. Right. And so I could never be uh, a representative for a company. Even if I love the products as much as I do Plexus, I can never be a representative for a company that has boatloads of products or that you have to make things with these products or anything like that, because I already did all that. You know that I homeschooled for 32 years, right? So I already did all those hard things, and so Plexus is easy, and that's one thing I like about it. Uh, Plant-based supplements, and the products have multiple ingredients, multiple plant ingredients in them, and um, botanicals, things like that, extracts. So 
like a lot of things come together to make this perfect product, as I talked about last week in uh, BioCleanse in episode 40. So this new product, our newest product is MetaBurn, and it's as its name suggests, Meta Metabolism Burn Burn. So it is a weight loss supplement. It is also a thyroid cortisol stress supplement. And um, today I'm only going to talk about the adaptogens in this product, and then next week I'll talk about the other ingredients. I will tell you a little bit about um, some of the other ingredients. I'll list them, but I'll go over them next week. All right, so first of all, understanding what adaptogens are. They are all the rage right now, so maybe you've heard of ashwagandha or something. Uh, It's not in this product, but it is like, uh, I think it might be an antidepressant or something. I'm not exactly sure. Don't quote me on that. But that's a very popular one that you might have been hearing about. Um, But adaptogens are groups of herbs known as herbal adaptogens or tonic herbs. Uh, They have long been used to strengthen immunity, improve energy, and enhance the body's ability to handle stress. So that's one reason why adaptogens are becoming so popular now is because everybody is so stressed, right? We live in a fast-paced world. So um, I got this quote about adaptogens from Whole New Mom, which I thought really summed them up. Quote, adaptogens protect us against stress and help us achieve balance by several means that are associated with the HPA axis and by acting on mediators of stress response, including cortisol, and nitric oxide, NO. So they are herbs. They protect us against stress. They help balance us. They help the body adapt to stress. They're non-toxic, and they help the body achieve homeostasis. Homeo being same. We want to be like all across the board, just like level. And that's one of the things that adaptogens do. And there are several popular ones, about seven that are pretty popular. And then there are, you know, several others that are less popular. Um, But Metaburn in general, these are uh, its uses. One, it boosts, uh, helps you boost through, break through weight loss plateaus. Two, it helps reduce belly fat and hip fat as it reduces cortisol levels. If you remember in one of my cortisol uh, videos, I can't remember what number that was, um, but if you go to DonnaReach.com and you go to uh, broadcast, weekly broadcast, click on that. It'll have all of the broadcasts with little thumbnails, pictures, and each of those thumbnails have the like five major topics that were discussed in that video, and it's also available as an iTunes um, podcast. Okay, so uh, it helps reduce belly fat and hip fat. If you remember, cortisol, high cortisol levels lead to holding and storing extra fat, especially in the belly. So uh, Metaburn helps reduce that. It helps support a healthy mood. We're going to be happy. It increases energy. It increases fat burning, helps with cortisol levels, helps with sleep, and is known to increase libido. So there you go. Who doesn't want increased libido, right? All right, so adaptogens in Metaburn. The adaptogens, there are other ingredients. Um, uh, N-acetol, L-tyrosine, I'm going to talk about that next week because it's really, really important for weight loss. L-theanine, really, really important for overall health and stress. Green tea extract, also called true tea. 
and 5-HTP, which is um, helps with serotonin release. So that's a known, uh, known um, as an antidepressant, a natural antidepressant. Okay, so those ingredients I'm going to talk about next time. The adaptogens in Metaburn include rhodiola, rosea, grains of paradise, astrogen, also known as astragalus, Chinese ginseng, and guarana. So um, I'm going to just go over these two that are um, more the most popular of those five adaptogens. First one is the rhodiola rosea, and is also known as arctic root, and it is an extremely popular adaptogen, uh, one of the probably top three that you hear about. Uh, it reduces stress without disrupting the body's biological function. So in general, adaptogens are uh, non-medicinal, non-pharmaceutical ways of balancing the body. So people who are, you know, I'm not saying don't go to a doctor and get an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medicine or something if you need that, but people who are just wanting to dabble in some natural ways of trying to reduce stress, to reduce anxiety and things like that, reduce the blues, that kind of thing, they will a lot of times turn to adaptogens for those purposes. Uh, it reduces fatigue and stress. It reduces 20 first century stress from overstimulation and depression. I talked about earlier in this episode about how, um, you know, the kind of stress that cortisol was made for was, you know, like we're being chased by a lion. So we got to, you know, our cortisol level goes up and kind of like with adrenaline as well. And then we go and we fight it off or we run away from it or whatever we need to do. Um, but the kind of stresses that we have now, and that, and that caused like spikes in adrenaline and spikes in cortisol, those type of uh, anthropological or early, um, our ancestor, early ancestors stress. Whereas our stress today is more like chronic. <laughs> it's more like it doesn't necessarily go up that high where, you know, we're being chased by a lion or something, but it's always elevated. And that's what the problem is with cortisol and the stress with that. And so um, that's why a lot of, we need help. And a lot of people, especially who are having adrenal issues and adrenal fatigue, they really need supplementation and, um, you know, different mechanisms to reduce their stress, to reduce cortisol levels, to um, sleep better and so forth. So I really hope that, um, pe that you guys will find that help somewhere. Uh, improve energy and mental focus. Uh, rhodiola rosea also reduces anxiety. It works by improving serotonin and dopamine levels. So it's a non-pharmaceutical way of helping with serotonin and dopamine. And usually people are on like, you know, serotonin inhibitors and things like that to try to help with depression. Whereas this is going to be a natural way to try to improve serotonin and dopamine levels. It counteracts the effect of cortisol. So that's good. Reduces those pockets of fat especially belly fat, hips, and thighs as it reduces cortisol, and it enhances cognitive function. So you can see why that is such a popular adaptogen. It's available by itself. Um, you know, ours has a mixture of five adaptogens and then uh, some um, other amazing ingredients, all plant-based ingredients that come together to make Metaburn such a fantastic product. But you can look that up and see if you were interested in that separately. All right, then the last uh, product ingredient I'm going to talk about is another adaptogen, and it's called Grains of Paradise. 
and it is known for 20 plus health benefits. It's anti-inflammatory, so again, we're gonna get that swelling down, we're going to get the inflammation down in our bodies that cause us to be sick, that cause us to have like congestion and um, uh, immune things, as well as like asthma and things like that. Not that you should ever go off your medicine without your doctor's permission, but these are some of the things that they will help with. They uh, it boosts testosterone, which means we're going to um, uh, build muscle better. We're not going to become men or anything <laughs> if we're women. It activates brown fat. Now, this is what makes the Grains of Paradise so popular right now, um, even though it was like unknown just a couple of years ago. And that is because right now there's a real push in the fitness industry for increasing brown fat or what they call activating brown fat. And if you've listened to any fitness people, you may have heard them say that uh, they are getting cold, they are uh, taking cold showers, they're taking cold baths, they're going into cold tubs outdoors, they're doing like the polar swim, the polar run, they're doing all these things to get cold. I know, it makes me cold just thinking about it. But they're doing all these things to get cold because uh, getting cold in those ways, and I know people in the fitness industry who take a cold shower every single morning, to activate their brown fat uh, because brown fat has to be activated for it to be lost and uh, and it will help get rid of white fat, which is the fat we don't want. So when they would activate, activate brown fat, get rid of white fat. So they are all getting cold for that reason. And grains of paradise and cold therapy are the only two things right now that people are saying that cause activation of brown fat. So that's why grains of paradise are is a is getting is, as an adaptogenic herb is getting popular um and so with that that's going to help us burn fat better it's going to help us lose weight better uh, a double blind placebo study i'm going to be talking in a few weeks about research double blind studies are important placebo studies are important there are other things that are important um besides that that i'm going to talk about in research in the future uh, but for women taking grains of paradise showed a significant decrease in abdomen, hips, and thigh fat. So that brown fat, activating that brown fat, getting rid of that white fat, that will happen um, in part with the use of grains of paradise. So that's all I have for you today. Uh, what causes insomnia? Few keys, takes away, takeaways that you can start implementing right now and our great Plexus product known as MetaBurn. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you in my blog or in my Facebook group, and I look forward to teaching you more in the future. Thanks again.